I'm Chad Reed. I'm Hillary Langer. I'm Gil Jenkins. And this is Climate Positive. Every city and town in the country has waste services. And for those 95% of cities that don't have food waste collection, and even for the 5% that do, could we help provide that service to those cities at scale? That's kind of the long-term goal. That's how you drive systems change. You make it for everybody. This week on Climate Positive, we have a fascinating conversation with Matt Rogers, the founder and CEO of Mill, a startup that is revolutionizing how we tackle food waste and showing how we can take meaningful climate action right from our kitchens. In discussion with Matt, we explored the inspiration behind Mill and talked about the many features of their incredible new food-shrinking, de-stinking kitchen bin, which effectively transforms food scraps into nutrient-rich animal feed. Matt shares a number of intriguing insights throughout our chat, drawing parallels between Mill and his previous work as the co-founder of Nest, a company I'm sure all of our listeners are familiar with. And throughout our conversation, Matt emphasizes the vital role of technology and innovation in driving climate-positive solutions. I have been a huge fan of Matt's work at Nest for many years and was delighted to talk with him about this exciting new venture. So with that, here's my conversation with Matt. Matt, welcome to Climate Positive. Great to be here. There's so much I want to get into with you today, but maybe let's just start with the really inspiring story about Mill at a high level and the incredible problem of food waste that you're solving. Well, stepping back a little bit, like modern society throws out a lot. I mean, they can be like the biggest products of humanity. Like number one, I think is concrete. Mm. I think number two is garbage. That's astonishing. Like it shouldn't be that way. No one likes waste, but we've kind of come to take it for granted. That there's really no other way. So I started Mill with a good friend, Harry Tenenbaum, a couple of years ago, kind of in the early days of the pandemic, to end waste, starting with food. And why food? I mean, I think you cited a pretty disturbing stat. Could you share? Yeah. Gosh, there's so many. One, we throw out about 40% of the food we grow. So that's like every time you go grocery shopping, you have bought five bags and you leave like two in the parking lot every single time. An astonishing amount of food waste. And you could think like, oh, that must happen in grocery stores and restaurants. Mm. And it does, but actually about half of it comes from us at home. Mm. So one, like we shouldn't continue to waste food. That's a big part of it. And two, like this is even worse. Like we've managed to take something that's amazing, food that we love and turn it into poison. So like when food goes to landfill, it just doesn't degrade and turn into dirt. It actually degrades anaerobically and releases methane, which is like 80x worse than CO2 over 20 years. Yeah, so it's like really bad. Like we've managed to take food, which is awesome, and turn it into poison gas. <laughs> so enter mill. And I want to get into the kitchen bin, but I'd be remiss, you know, I first learned your name. I was in the Bay Area around 9 through 13, working in clean tech. You know, Nest was the, I mean, at the time, and still like, it was the ultimate success story. And I really applaud you, what you did there and taking something deeply important and largely unsexy, for lack of a better word, energy efficiency and smart thermostats, created a whole category. And you use principles of design and usability and ease of use. and I really don't see that much in the climate tech sustainability space. So can you tell us how you went from the Nest experience, which was so trans 
formative and how you're applying that to mill? What are the lessons learned so far in the journey? I mean, there's a lot of parallels and that's actually why we started the coven. You, know, you, you look at these aspects of society that we kind of take for granted, that we live with every day and we don't really think much about. That was the early days of Nest. You know, we had this aha moment of these white plastic boxes on our walls controlling half of our home's energy. It's like, doesn't make any sense. Don't really think much about it until you realize like, oh my gosh, like how much am I wasting every month? How much monthly energy am I expending? How much money am I wasting? And can I be more comfortable? Waste feels very similar. We have these daily chores where like we throw icky stuff in bags and they fill up and we haul bags to the curb or we put them in a garbage chute every day. And we kind of don't think much about it. You know, we don't like it. It's not one of those chores that we love to do, like gardening. Come take it for granted. So in first principles, like if we were to design a new system, how could we do it differently? So that's kind of what we set out to do. And we're starting with food for all the reasons we, we just talked about. But if we can make an experience that's freaking awesome, that like <laughs> you could bring this home to your kitchen and like the family, the kids, everyone's like, gosh, this is amazing. Then we can start to drive systems change. Totally. I remember that moment. I was so excited, but I didn't have a home at the time. I was renting in San Francisco. I'm sure you know well. And I, my brother had just gotten home. I said, Ben, you, you know, you got to try this. I'm getting you. I want to see how this works. And, you know, that was still ticking after, I don't know, 10 plus years. And it's so exciting that you're applying that again to the kitchen waste space. So let's talk about the mill kitchen bin, the product. Tell us how it turns food waste into animal feed. And, you know, I imagine that there may be an initial misperception that we're talking about composting here. So you can explain that this is not composting and what it is and how it works. Yes. What we do is we build the full loop. And when we started the company, I don't think we were that ambitious. Like, we're like, hey, like, let's just make it easier in your kitchen hmm. to do composting. And what we realized is one, you know, starting at first principles, the most important thing you could do at home is put your food in the right bin. And say that's really hard to do. So I, I live in San Francisco. San Francisco is one of the minority of cities, about 5% of the U.S., that has a green bin program that takes food waste. Right. They got the blue one, the green one for the compost. And, that's right. Yeah. So we have one, but we actually didn't use it. Hmm. And I'm kind of embarrassed to say it. Like, as a climate guy, like, I didn't use my green bin, but it was gross. We had fruit flies invading our kitchen. Like we could not get rid of them. I had like this yellow sticky paper hanging all over the kitchen trying to get rid of the fruit flies. So we kind of abandoned our countertop pail. So we thought like, how can we make this better? How can we get rid of fruit flies? How can we get rid of rats? How can we make this a pleasurable experience? And how can we get rid of one of your chores? So we built this bin that takes all the food that you don't eat, meat and dairy included, even things that you can't compost. Mm. And it dries it out. And we do that for a number of reasons. One, when you dry things out, they don't go bad. Think about like astronaut food, hmm. right? Like stays stable for a really long time. So we dry out all that food. And what's cool is like food is mostly water. So when you dry it out, it gets about 80% size reduced. So what that means is our kitchen bin, which is about the same size as a kitchen garbage can, takes weeks to fill up. So yes, like one less chore, you're not taking the trash out every day. Maybe you're taking it out every couple of weeks. But also... By drying it out, it makes it small and light and easy to transport, which means we don't need to drive around diesel garbage trucks through our neighborhoods anymore. 
you could just put this at your front porch and the mail will come pick it up. So you call these food grounds, right? And the idea is you ship them and where do they go? Yes. So you put these boxes out at your front porch, maybe once a month. That's about how long it takes to fill up. And the U.S. Postal Service comes to your house automatically and picks it up. Our app tells them to come get it. And it then gets shipped to one of our sites where we process and filter the material. We take out any contaminants that may have been put in by accident. Like if you accidentally put in a plastic straw or like a fork, it's not going to break anything. We'll take it out. And then we process the material and test and bag it up and sell it to farmers to feed chickens. I want to come back to why chickens, but first we're talking tech here. Um, I think every conversation has to include the mention AI in every conversation, right? It's a requirement in 2023. The bin uses AI tech to analyze my trash and sort it. Not really. I mean, no? we run some like basic algorithms to okay. minimize runtime. Like we don't want to waste energy. All right. So like we measure how much moisture is in the material and dry it out. But like cool. we don't require like compute and like server farms to run a garbage can. Okay. That would be ridiculous. Thank you for clearing that up. And the one thing, do you get questions from folks who are already composting out and say, ah, you know, I'm shipping it, the hardcore enviros, Perhaps myself included that are like, what are the life cycle emissions when I ship this off? And I just want to put this in my bin and I know it goes to my local compost bin if I'm in a crunchy place that has that service. Yes. How do you address the emissions question? So the first order is that food and landfills really bad. And 95% of our food waste is going to landfill or incineration. So like, it's not getting composted. So like, that's kind of the highest order bit we need to solve. So we've built this new system to make food recycling much more accessible. Most cities don't have compost programs. Yep. Only about 5% 5, 5 of the U.S. does. If you do have a compost program like we do in San Francisco, we think it's still helpful. Again, like no one likes fruit flies or rats taking out these, like everyone knows the bags I'm talking about. Like they're these like green film bags that always leak. Yeah. I think they're designed to leak. Indeed. It's so, like, it'd be nice to get rid of those things. So like that stuff's helpful. So- Tell me more about the experience with the product itself. What's the energy use like? I mean, I think I read it's plugged in, it's Wi-Fi, it's connected to the app, but we're talking relatively low energy use to dry out these food scraps, right? What's it comparable to? That's right. It's about a kilowatt hour a day. Okay. So yeah. that's like less than your dishwasher runs every night. And if you think about like the amount of energy we spend today handling waste, yeah, like those diesel trucks that drive through our neighborhoods are not like emissions free. We're actually shipping our waste today. Like, you don't think about it as shipping because it's not like a postal carrier picks it up, but we're shipping it in garbage trucks, right. which actually is worse. It has a membership model work. You don't just buy the bin, right? It's a total product. What's the pricing on this? Yes. So we're building the full loop. And this is not just an appliance that goes in your kitchen. What else can you do with the stuff? And again, most households don't have access to an output pathway for food. So we built the full loop, the end-to-end -end from the bin in your kitchen all the way to the farm. And it costs about a dollar a day. Hmm. So it's a dollar a day for no more stinky trash, for one less chore. And it's a pretty great experience. It's one of those things that once you start using it, there's really no going back. Well, tell me about what has um, surprised you from the feedback from early customers. And I think you have young kids too, so I'm going to put myself on the wait list. What's the reaction from your own kids early on? My kids love it. They call it Oscar, like Oscar the Grouch of Sesame Street. <laughs> right. 
It's really cute. They put little magnets on the bin. Awesome. Our refrigerator doesn't take magnets. Uh, I don't know why refrigerators don't have those anymore, but the mill bin takes magnets. So they put little magnets on it and they instinctually get it. Like kids know that food is great and food is valuable. Yep. And they know, and we, we talk about it. Like when the food goes in the mill bin, it's going back to the farm to feed chickens. Wonderful. Like it's instinctually good. Yeah. It actually reminds me of like when I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, like being taught about recycling. And in hindsight, some of that was some greenwashing that we didn't even know at the time. But kids get this stuff. Yeah. So what about other consumer feedback? It's a direct consumer model now, I understand. But I wanted to ask you, I assume you're thinking about other sales channels. I mean, one of the things I thought you did brilliantly at Nest was, you know, it's showing up in my Home Depot, right? So you're thinking of mirroring that, getting the sustainability products in the big box or is yeah. the direct consumer for a while? So we're starting direct to consumer because we want to build a relationship with people and we want to build the brand and we want to learn. Yeah. But inevitably, like waste is something that cities provide the residents. Every city and town in the country has waste services. And some is run by the city itself. Some is third-party services. And for those 95% of cities that don't have food waste collection, and even for the 5% that do, could we help provide that service to those cities at scale? Hmm. And that's obviously not something you could do on day one as a starter. Right. But that's kind of the long-term goal. That's how you drive systems change. You make it for everybody. Yeah, And on that front, I mean, I talked to my colleague here and said, let's get this for our office. You know, I mean... We've got the composting here. We're sort of always looking at ways as a corporation to reduce our scope three emissions. I imagine the B2B channel is potentially another one for you, right? For companies to offer this Mm -hmm. to their employees. Great perk, doing good, fun, but then also for those companies that are reporting their emissions, they can reduce their scope three, right? I'm sure that's... That's right. And we've actually already had a few companies sign up to provide mill memberships for their employees as an employee benefit. That's great. We've got a few partnerships with cities already signed, and we had our first municipal pilot launch in Tacoma, Washington a few months ago, and we got a couple more coming. Yeah, we got a lot of different pathways to get to market, but going direct to consumer is a really good way to demonstrate that behavior change. That we could change what happens in your kitchen. Like you've sliced up the carrots and you've got that carrot top now, where is it going? (laughs) And we've made it really easy to do that first step. It's not like a last mile problem. It's like a first meter problem. And if we can make that first meter really, really easy, then everything else after that becomes easier. Because like once stuff gets mixed together, it's really hard to get the value out. I've been learning about this over the last couple of years. Some cities, they take all their trash, all their commingled trash, and they try to extract the food and organic matter out. Once it's like a mixed bag of everything. Uh, And it's really hard. It's really gross. So, I mean, this is just getting started, right? It was an official launch earlier this year. People can wait list to sign up. You're scaling fast. You've done this before. What does the trajectory look like just this year? Yeah. So, I mean, actually the mirrors to the early nest days are (laughs) really, it's very clear for me. So, you know, we launched a few months ago and we've started shipping to customers and we've got our first couple hundred customers already using the experience and we're ramping production. And I think we're already sold out for the year. So like demand has been pretty good. Like people have been signing up and putting reservations and I think we're pretty much sold out for the year. So if folks are interested, like the sooner you sign up, the better because it's going to be a while. And the sooner we know, the more we can ramp production. 
Climate Positive is produced by Hassi, a leading climate investment firm that actively partners with clients to deploy real assets that facilitate the energy transition. To learn more, please visit Hassi.com. We were talking before we started recording that someone in your marketing department has done a great job on the Instagram organic and TikTok paid strategy. This is like tailor-made for social media, which wasn't quite where it is back in your nest day, right? So I was talking to the Nesco founder. He's doing mill. So, oh yeah, I know that. I saw their Instagram stuff. So hilarious. Well, look, like trash is kind of funny. It is. The pun potentials, you're having fun in the copywriting department, I imagine, right? With all the That's right. I mean, like there are so many good jokes. Yes. Like we go dumpster diving every day in this office. It is like, and actually like literally we do. But like there's this rife with good puns and good jokes. And my favorite, I heard you say, um, you're the first company to go. Everyone's talking about farm to table, but you're the first. Table to farm, right? Table to farm. Yeah. I think that's a winner. Yeah. Matt, what should have I asked you that I didn't already before we turn to our hot seat lightning round to wrap it up? So you mentioned about the environmental community. I think it's worth touching on that a little. So yeah. And this was a good lesson learned from my nest days, but also running my own family office and doing philanthropy and climate and climate investing. It's really important to bring everyone along and get their feedback on this journey. And even before we launched, our very small team spent a lot of time with the big environmental nonprofits, you know, like EDF and NRDC and the World Wildlife Fund and Refed to learn mm. of what's worked well, what's not worked well what they're seeing with communities, which communities we should talk to. And actually, it was a really effective way for us to learn before we launched. Because like once you launch, like you're going to get feedback. Right. But we were able to shape that our narrative and our plans based on environmental input. And when we launched the company, we also launched our LCA, hmm. which was something I did not do at Nest on day one. And I probably should have, but we didn't even know what that was back then. We did a full scoping LCA that's peer-reviewed to show what the environmental impact of our process is, all the way from manufacturing, shipping, the energy uses at home, the moving the food grounds around, the processing them, to make sure that what we're doing is doing the right thing for the planet too. And even with all the you know kilowatt hour of energy per day and the shipping of the grounds, we still save about a half a ton of emissions per household per year. Yeah, I was astounded by that. I mean, that just makes this a complete no-brainer and should have the wide embrace environmental community. And it was quite shrewd because, you know, if you think about it, for the true greens, right? And I grew up in Portland, Oregon, so I've been composting my whole life. You know, you're coming at the composting community, potentially, if you haven't pre-engaged them, right? And they shouldn't feel it that way. But change is hard, right? And you've got a fancy tech device, and maybe there's some skepticism amongst the initial early adopters. But what I think is so cool about Mill and what's true about Nest is not just early adopters, but that sort of fast followers, right? Because you're trying to mainstream this stuff and mainstream requires- Exactly. That's right. A whole different paradigm in terms of user experience, marketing, design, fun. And so I applaud you. That very interesting anecdote. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, we want this to be for everyone. And it took Nest a while to move from a premium early adopter product yeah. to a product for everyone, that probably took five plus years. And we're trying to learn how to do that quicker. Just the U.S. to start? Just the U.S. to start, albeit food waste is a problem globally. Indeed. And yeah, I mean, other than like 
a few countries in Europe and like South Korea and Japan, most food waste ends up in the trash around the planet. And you're creating a category here, right? Like there's not a comparable smart, you don't have peers yet. Is that fair to say? Not really. I mean, like there are companies that build dehydrators for your house. Okay. There's a bunch of South Korean companies that make these little countertop bins that take the water out of food. And there's a couple of companies that claim they make home composters, but I haven't seen anyone building the full loop. And I think that's the innovation. And that's what I learned at Apple. That's what we did at Nest. It's not enough just to build the widget. Like that doesn't solve the problem. That's not a complete product. Like we make hundreds of pounds of food waste per year per household. Where is it all going to go? Not everybody has a big garden. Like if you live in a high rise in Manhattan, like what are you going to do with hundreds of pounds of food waste? It's got to go somewhere. So true. All right. Let's bring it home with the hot seat, rapid fire. Just say the first thing that comes to your mind. There are no wrong answers. These are mostly fill in the blank. This is fun. The hardest decision I ever made is? Ooh, selling Nest to Google. <laughs> oh, Matt, why was that hard? There was a few Bs on that number, but I'm kidding, but. Yes, but you know, seating control is a big deal. Sure. And. It was your baby. That's right. So like, it's one of those fork in the road conversations in life where like, have you made the right decision? And will the mission be carried forward? It's something I think about a lot. Another fill in the blank. One thing I've changed my mind on is that people can change. Hmm. One of my kind of initial learnings at Apple is like that people don't change. You have to build products that fit into people's lives. And I think one of the evolutions that I've learned in the iPhone days and through the Nest journey is actually if you make things awesome, if you make things really easy, actually people can change and they can learn. And these daily habits that we have, we're not stuck we can get better. And I think about the climate crisis as very emblematic of this. Like, yes, like government is going to drive a lot of change, but actually we're going to change too and it's going to be better. That's right. So true. When I need to recharge, I... I go for a bike ride. It's one of the beautiful things about living in Northern California is we could get outside and in five minutes, you're in a beautiful wilderness Mm -hmm. on a mountain somewhere. I imagine you in like the Marin headlands. That's your spot. 100%. Oh yeah. 100%. And actually, like as an entrepreneur, it is so important to have this balance in life that where like you could be in good physical shape because if you're not in good physical shape, it's really hard to be good mental shape and be a good leader. So true. Let's stay on that theme. So you've been in the climate solutions entrepreneur investor space. So can I say 20 plus years now? Is that almost at least 15? Okay. Wow. Yeah. So this latest wave of climate tech, very encouraging, very exciting. What did historical advice, what's the advice that you most often give to other climate tech founders right now in 23, based on where we are and in your learnings? Well, the work that we are doing is critical. The economy has to decarbonize. It's not like this is an optional activity. Like we have to do this. And if you have that point of view of this is inevitable and we have to do it. And there are lots of bumps on the road and like there are a lot of waves in the ocean along the way. And look, like this is a fairly choppy period, but look, this period will pass. And building a business that has positive societal change and can grow to scale is what we got to do. And there are plenty of investors out there that are interested in those kind of systemic change companies. And a lot more in 23 than when you were out just 10 years ago. 100%. Oh my gosh. Like when Tony and I were raising money for Nest in... 
2010, 2011, there were no climate investors. It was basically like the Kleiner Perkins of the world and not really much else. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. Times have changed a lot. Indeed. And thinking about climate as a broad category, not just renewable energy, yeah. is also a transition that's happened. You know, we're working on waste. Yes. We're talking about all the slices of emissions. Just, I mean, encouraging. So, yeah, like food and ag space, transportation, like there's whole categories of climate investor that did not exist 10 years ago. Okay. Two final ones fill in the blank. I want my kids to know. Oh, that what their dad is doing is impactful. Actually, I talk to them about this a lot. You know, like life is short and you've got to really make a lot of what you're doing and leave the world in a better place. And I grew up in a Jewish household and we talk about like tikkun olam, mm. about saving and healing the world. And my kids definitely, albeit are young, they totally get this too. Final question we ask all our guests. To me, climate positive means? That we could do this. Look, like there are some schools of it's too late and like we're doomed. I don't come from that school. And I think just being a part of this journey for the last decade plus, like watching what's happened in renewables with EVs, like we can drive this change and it can be better than how things used to be. And if you listen to some like talk radio, you'll get the feeling like, oh, like they're going to take away your stoves and like you can't fly to see your family anymore. Like that's not true. This climate transition, it's going to be better. Like we could live better lives that are more sustainable and we're going to build some really big businesses while we do it. Well said. Matt, it was really a pleasure to talk with you. I just applaud, big fan of all that you're doing. And I encourage our listeners to sign up on the wait list and we'll put that in the show notes and I will be doing that as well. And I might ask some questions on how we can do that as a business as well. Because I think that that channel, there'll be some interest there from other businesses. Absolute pleasure. This is a lot of fun and looking forward to staying in touch. If you enjoyed this week's podcast, please leave us a rating and review on Apple and Spotify. It really helps us reach more listeners. You can also let us know what you thought via Twitter at ClimatePosiPod or email us at ClimatePositive at Hassey.com. I'm Gil Jenkins, and this is Climate Positive. <laughs>